All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck wads? What the fuck nuts? Oh, I don't know. How's that one? I did get an email, though. Right out of the gate. Small request. I don't know if this will get to Mark, but here it goes. Hey, Mark, first off, thanks for the weekly pods. They're a great listen when I'm walking to class, studying, or just hanging around. In your podcasts, you say hello to people, scientists, people driving, etc. I was wondering if you could give us struggling college students a shout out on a pod. Thanks again. P.S. I think I've listened to your interview with James Taylor 20 times. Sweet baby James. Thanks for everything, Ben. Ben, Ben, I don't I don't know what you're up to, dude. I don't know what you're up to, but you struggling college students. This is this is your very special shout out, Ben, to you and your peers. Don't waste all four years of the time you're spending with money you've borrowed that you may never get to pay back because the system stinks. Don't waste it all just smoking weed and drinking and not going to class or focusing on what you should be doing. Here's This is the time, man. Here's how I fucked up. Yeah, this is one of the great fuck-ups. So, like, I went to college, and you know what I majored in? I didn't know. I didn't know for four years I was able to cobble together some fucking major because, uh, you know, I just I just went with my interests. So I was able to cobble together a English major with a focus in uh, romantic literature and a film studies minor, which, uh, you know what that uh, allows me to do in the world? This. So... I guess for you struggling college students, don't waste that time. Don't waste that money. I know there are no guarantees in life, but learn how to amplify what you want to be great about yourselves. You know you got interest. If you're just there buying time thinking they're going to wire your brain with some shit that you can use, no, sir. No, ma'am. Pow! Look out. Just shit my pants. Just coffee.coop. That was a classic ad brought to you by me and copy written by me. So, Ben, yes, I am getting a cold. Thank you for asking. Thank you for noticing that my uh that my um my voice is a little compromised. Just a little tired, I think. Picked up a cold. Also had Daniel Clausen here who was coughing all over my garage. Still a genius, still a great conversation, but nonetheless did cough a bit. So I've, I think I've got graphic novelist cold virus germs uh, coursing through my uh, system, probably being very creative within my uh, within my veins and my brain and my lungs, if they are the same ones that uh, found their strength within the great Daniel Klaus, who will be on a show in the near future. Today's guest is Al Lubell. I didn't forget about you, Ben. I'm going to get back to it. Al Lubell, comedian. Um. Yeah, Al Lubell was uh, a pretty, a pretty important comedian to me and many others early on. He's got. Uh, let me just. Say, I'm gonna. I want to make sure I get his dates right. Uh, Friday, April fifteenth, Al Lubell will be at the Throckmorton Theater in Mill Valley, California, doing his solo show, Al Alone, and he will also be at the Clubhouse tonight here in Los Angeles on Vermont uh, at eleven o'clock tonight. On uh, on Gangbusters, that's a show they have over there. I think it's a improv or sketch show that uh, Al will be doing some time on. And I think that you should take the opportunity to see Al Lubell. Al Lubell, I'm going to work with this name. A lot of L's, not my specialty. L's. Al Lubell is a, a very unique and singular comedian. 
so singular and so self-involved, he might have just uh, fallen into himself completely to generate this one-man show he's doing. But but uh, let me talk a little bit more about Al later, but let's get back to Ben. Ben, you wanted this attention. You wanted this struggling college student attention. Please, please, if you're in college, please study something you're interested in. Get in it. You know, there's a lot of teachers there that, that can probably fucking you know, show up for you if you know what you want from them. This is no time to be figuring out you know, how to, uh, uh, to vape while you sleep, okay? It, there's, there's no time to be you know, necessarily you know, doing mushrooms for nine days straight and then you know, forgetting your name and, and, and winding up in water somewhere. You can do that, but I'm just saying don't waste it, man. If you're, if you're not going to get a degree that means anything, at least get the education that will uh, broaden your mind and get you uh, interested and creative about other things. That's old Mark talking to the young people in the only way I know how. Look, I'm not saying don't do drugs. You know, knock yourself out. Just don't knock yourself out of the game. Dig, Doug. So, okay, so Ben, are you happy? Struggle away with all your friends. I appreciate you listening to the show. I'm going to a concert on Friday. I'm going to see Joanna Newsom. Joanna Newsom was mentioned right here on this podcast uh, by Andy Samberg, her husband. And it turns out, oddly, she doesn't do many interviews, but she's going to come talk to me at some point. So I had a, um, I've been sort of immersing myself in her, in her uh, records. And she's one of those people where you listen to her once and you're like, oh man, I don't know. But then like, you're like, but wait, she's, she's touched. She's touched by genius. She's some sort of savant of sorts playing her harp. And then you kind of sit with the record a little longer and you're like, holy shit, this is the best thing I've ever heard. So I've been listening to a lot of Joanna Newsom and turns out my girl, Sarah Kane, the painter, knew her back in the day. They were buddies. So Sarah Kane, the painter, had a, a self-published CD of Joanna Newsom's that she found for me, and I got that. I don't even know if it's available on iTunes. I don't think so, but I was able to rip it and listen to the uh, the pre-blossoming um, material of Joanna Newsom. But anyways, long story long, I'm uh, going to see Joanna Newsom tomorrow night. Okay, so let's get down to brass tacks or turtles or whatever it is. Did I mention I will be at the Mission Creek Festival at the Englert Theater in Iowa City, Iowa on Friday, April 8th? Did I mention that I will be at the Rococo Theater in Lincoln, Nebraska on Saturday, April 9th? Or did I mention I will be at the Arvest Bank Theater at the Midland in Kansas City, Missouri on April 10th? Come on, Kansas City. Let's make this happen, can we? Huh? Huh? Let's make it happy. So, from here on out, it's just me and you talking. I'm going to ease right into Al Bell. Okay, I'm just telling you that right now. I want to talk to you about the buzz because now we're, we're involved in this. We're all together in this buzz narrative. That is the... Um, yeah, that's coming through my phono when I want to play a record in my office. So I pestered my landlady, Yolanda, who then called AT&T because, as I told you before, I'm basically sitting inside a cell tower that I didn't know about. But then I started to think like, well, is it safe? 
Is it safe to be in a cell tower? And I did a little, uh, you know, asked uh, Yolanda about the woman who, who had the office before me. And she said, well, she was sort of a conspiracy theorist. I'm like, when did that start? How long was she in that office? What's going on? You know, to have that many people's conversations plowing through your synapses every day through radio waves and the, the, your personal electronics. How are the electronics outside affecting my personal wiring? So... AT&T sent electrician over today. I went over there today or yesterday would be if you're listening to this on Thursday. And I sat, and I sat with him. He's like, we're going to track it, man. Let's track it down. And he was able to isolate all the different frequencies that actually go through that cell tower where the machinery is above my head. And we just sat there with the fucking buzz going, seeing if anything changed as he sat there and uh, shut things off and turned things on again from his computer to the cell tower. So I guess I need to apologize a little bit to anybody who has AT&T and might have had a, might have had a little uh, erratic uh, connectivity uh, around um, 930 uh, Wednesday morning, yesterday morning in the Highland Park area. Uh, I, I apologize if you missed any. Uh, important calls or any calls dropped on you. Uh, but I, I was trying to resolve my problem with my inability to play records clearly through my receiver. So I hope I didn't lose any jobs for anybody or, and nobody missed an emergency call. But here's the deal. After about an hour, I am uh, happy to say that I was right. Uh, it was AT&T's noise coming through. I don't know if anything's going to be done about it. He's going to recommend that they replace that particular transmitter. Um, you know, I'm going to keep troubleshooting a bit, but that's what's causing it. In the meantime, I got myself a few rolls of copper tape and uh, some aluminum fabric, and I'm waiting on some copper mesh. So, you know, I'm going to fucking nail this shit. The Faraday box thing is still viable, but it seems complicated because I'd have to make the entire room a box. That take that would take a lot of copper tape and aluminum foil and um and people would come to my office and think I had a meth problem. And I don't want that. I don't want that. So right now, Al Lubell is a very unique performer, a very talented man, very interesting comedian. I did one of my first weeks working ever, back in probably the mid eighties. Whenever the hell he just was touring after he won Star Search. I think he won the third season of the new Star Search. And I was in Tucson, Arizona, in my recollection. And I middled for him. And I was like, this guy's got balls. He is so introspective and neurotic in such a specifically uh, specific and charming way that if you're a comic, if you're self-centered at all and you watch out, you're like, oh my God, you know, he's really nailing all this stuff. And then, but at some point you're like, oh my God, he's nailing it too much. Like I, you know, and then you kind of crave him just to talk about ice cream or something or something outside of himself, but that's not Al's style. And then I'd run into Al sporadically over the years wearing different forms of, you know, sweatpants and hoodies and carrying uh, stacks of yellow pads. And there was times where I'd be like concerned for Al, be like, what's going on? You all right, buddy? And be like, uh, yeah, got a room. Uh, up there and yeah, I'd see him in New York and I saw him and then I ran into him out here in LA on the patio of the comedy store where he was doing some work on his computer looking a little unshaven but looking well and um, I said well let's talk let's do it you okay he's like yeah I'm okay so again you can see Al <laughs> before I talk to him here you can see Al up at the Throckmorton Theater in Mill Valley on April 15th doing his one man show which we talk about 
Al alone tonight at the clubhouse on Vermont at 11 tonight for the Gangbusters show. And uh, and right now, uh, enjoy a slightly tortured, painful uh, talk with uh, with Al Lubell, but, but an honest talk with Al Lubell. So um, here's me and Al Lubell. I feel canless. <laughs> you are canless. It's your choice. Right. Your choice to go canless, Al. Right, but you know, I also can become can can full at any time I want. Yeah, in, in a second, you can just can yourself. Right. So that gives me the option. <laughs> yeah. I, I have less anxiety because hey. I, I know I can, you know. You can can the, yourself. I can put the cans on. Is that a term that you've created, canning? I've never heard of that, put the cans on. No, they're they're called cans. It's I, I think it's old-timey radio talk. Uh, you want more cans? You got cans? I, I think canning is in that context is not used that often. I, I I wouldn't say that someone wearing headphones is canned. I think that we might have explored that today for the first time. Well, you did. You brought it up. I never heard it. But did you just create the term? But it's an old radio term. Because I've asked before at radio stations, why do I have to wear them? Do I have to wear them? No one's ever said put the cans on. Well, I don't know. I, I believe, but that, it really is a term. Yes. And I, how do you know that you've looked it up? Or I, I worked I mean, in radio for a year and a half. And I did I, not know. Oh, that's it, right. With the and yeah. it somehow a year and a half, two years, and I think it somehow became, yeah, a known thing. You I got see. cans? Yeah. No, it's definitely a real thing. I, uh, uh, okay. So yeah, this sounds a cool. It sounds like something radio people would come up with. It's like a cool sounding term, like a jazz sounding. Yeah, term. yeah. Put your cans on. Exactly, right? buddy. Yeah. So what? What is this record you have in your car? It's a uh, thirty years ago. I had this song. You ever seen me see me sing a song? I'm Al Lubell. I'm, I'm Al Lubell. I think everybody has seen <laughs> Al Lubell sing. He's Al Lubell at some point. America uh, witnessed that uh, at some point. Did they? Yeah, I did it on evening at the Improv or the comedy clubs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, did you do it on Star Search? No, because they only give you two minutes, and the song's thirty. I've seen no, you do that song for 30. <laughs> I think I've seen you. I think there's a, some of us out here have seen you do the Alu Bell song. When it's working, right, right. it can go on working. for a while. Yeah. It's funny. One time I was play, I remember playing Montreal, a comedian friend of mine. Uh, he was up there. It was the closing bit, the song. Yeah. And he was watching me. He got tired of watching me. We just left. He went downstairs to the bar. Came up from the bar. I'm still doing the song. Yeah. <laughs> 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 because I added clothing, I started taking clothing off during this. Oh, time. really? I added that piece. Yeah, yeah. you're just going to stretch that out till it could have yeah. taken up the whole set. Yeah. And yeah. in theory, thematically, it is the whole set. I'm Al Lubell, painfully Al Lubell. Right. Everything I process goes through Al Lubell head, mm -hmm. and I have to place myself at the center of everything that is happening. Right, but don't comedians do, do that? Oh, right, I just go a little further. Everyone goes through everyone's head, sure, every sure, comedian, right, but right. I decide to <laughs> yeah. call attention to the fact <laughs> the, that like, it's me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how how does everything implicate Al Lubell? Right. Well, what's the song? It's just sitting out there on a record or on a CD? Yeah, on a 45. It's 30 years ago. A 40, 45. A 45. I like vinyl. Uh, yeah, I know. He's coming back into Vogue. And like an idiot, uh, I have a huge storage. I can't throw, I'm a hoarder. I can't throw things away. Are you it's really a hoarder? Yeah, yeah, it's bad. I mean, I, I could barely, sometimes I, I, you know, I hold old New York Times uh, editorial pages because I think someday I might read it. Yeah, I used to do that <laughs> because you can look around. I used to do that. But now, like, there's really this weird deliberation about, around stuff like that, like print stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, even if it's, it's got, if it's about me, like after a certain age, I'm like, what am I going to do with this? I mean, mm. what's really going to happen with this? What right. do I think? What extension of my narcissism 
is this feeding because like is somebody going to find this stuff and go like oh good there here's an article written in a uh you know a st louis weekly arts paper about mark Marin that uh he kept well we'll put that in the library in the archives with the rep where the, what is that stuff if you really need to find most of it you can just go online yeah but a lot of it isn't and in your situation they may put it in the library yeah, I know, but it seems ridiculous. I, there's part of me that's sort of like, well, why not not put that in the library? But what do you but get? also, let me say, I have a little old pieces like that, too, that I can't throw away. But it's almost the sentimentality. Like, this was written about me. Right. And it's the sentimentality. It's like, it's a horrible. I wish they didn't write it because then I didn't have to keep it. Right. But it, I do think it's garbage. But I have a problem throwing garbage at it. Well, where is this stuff, Al? It's in public storage. Yeah. And it's getting to the point where I can't afford to keep it. Because where, I went, it? Where, where in what state? Here. Oh, it's here? Well, I have two. I have stuff from my mother's place in Florida, a little facility, because uh-huh. she's in assisted living. Yeah. But uh, I have a big thing. where I went to England like a year and a half ago to do stand-up. Yeah. And I put all my stuff in storage. Right. And uh, it's all it's still in storage. I'm staying at a friend's house. He's letting me stay there. That's nice. So, so it's all stuff in, it's still in storage. And with all my tons of boxes of 30 years of crap. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, I got to start throwing stuff out. You know? I have some of that. I, I don't know how to deliberate that stuff. I have a fantasy of just getting rid of it. I think it'd be liberating mm-hmm. to get rid of it. But there's part, what do you think it is? What, it, what you know, what, what do you, what's your fear around getting rid of it? Uh, well, you, the fear is that I'll never see it again. Yeah. <laughs> and when was, when was the last time you went through those boxes? I never, hardly ever, a year. A Isn't year. it weird? Like people, there's a, a saying, which is like, if you, if you don't use something for a year, right. get rid of it. Oh, then the whole facility could be gone. <laughs> You'd save yourself some money. Oh, totally. I know. But, uh, what, yeah, I know, when, I know what, the saying. But, you know, there's other sayings, too. Which is? I haven't heard them, but I'm sure I... <laughs> there's contrary sayings? I'm, I contradictory sayings? Let's saying. go on Google. We could find them. Yeah, like, them. hold on to all your shit for as long as possible. You never know when you're going to need that editorial. Actually, I've said that. <laughs> so, when it, when was it, when it, are you afraid to go down there and pull those boxes out? Yeah, well, I, you it's know, like my, a day. My hip hurts and my Does back it? hurts. I should get hip replacement. By the way, have we st- we've started, right? How old are you now? Is this, have we started? Yeah, yeah. Uh, isn't that kind of wordy, how old am I now, as opposed to how old am I then? No, I understand that. <laughs> I mean, obviously, impl- implied in that question is now. Are you evading the question? <laughs> now, am I evading it now? Uh, yeah, now. Right now. Are, you, are you evading the question? Yes, I am. I didn't want to talk about it. I don't like the whole concept. I'm embarrassed. The concept I, of age? I feel age-wise I've let myself go. I can't believe I've let myself get this old. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, I don't think you have much control of it, but I, I, know, I, I know. will say you look pretty well. I've heard that. But I look well for an old guy. Well, well, yeah, but there's some of us who have known you. I mean, you just told me you did a, a, a 45 30 years ago. Yeah, this is true, but you don't know how old I was when I did it. Were, were you three? <laughs> 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 no, but you're saying I look well for me like you've seen me at other ages. You're saying? Yeah, I've seen you at other ages. <laughs> I've, I've seen you at different lengths of hair. Right. <laughs> I've seen you in the streets where I've been concerned. About <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just like, yeah, like there, there's been Al Lubell sightings. There was a, a period in the Lubell uh, timeline, I think, we, where we many of us were like, what, where's Al Lubell? And uh-huh. then you'd show up. There he is. <laughs> he's wearing sweatpants and he's got some legal pads. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope he's okay. Right. And then you get on the stage and you, you, know, you just nail it. You just do your Al Lubell thing. Oh, thanks. But I must say, and you, I am impressed. You have a good sense of a person being in trouble. 
<laughs> how can I help Al? How can I help Al? Right. No, yeah. but you're, you're you're good at picking that up. Yeah. That's very. I was impressed. I was impressed with your ability to uh, see me in in Union Square that time. Oh yeah, yeah. Whole Foods. Or, I, so I yeah, ran to you like there. Uh, like, I, no, I think I ran into you like actually in the area, like walking on the street. And you, I think you said, and I, you know, we don't have to talk about. It. I don't know where you were at, but I said, "What, what are you doing?" <laughs> and you were like, "You were living at an SRO, I think." Yes, at that good. time. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I was concerned. Thank and you. then I, I think I went back down to like Boston Comedy Club or something. I'm like, I just ran into Al. Right. Does, what's going on with him? <laughs> and people were like, "Al Lubell, yeah, he's like in an SRO. He's walking around with the sweatpants." Right. And, uh, <laughs> and like comics are like, ah. Oh, so what do the comics say? Oh, poor Al, that Al. No, I think that many of us, you know, those of us who, you know, you're, you're particular, like what I, the guys that I know, and I, I don't know if I can name names, but we loved watching you because there's something about the, the honesty of your self-involvement that makes, you know, comedians specifically sort of squirmy. It's like, I think we're all him inside. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that if we just, you know, if we were really honest with how self-involved we are, that would be us. So I think there's people that always loved uh, watching you and they're always happy to see you. I, I don't know. Like, the, in my mind, there's a, I obviously don't know you that well, but I, I know that, like, I uh, when the hell was that? It must have been in the late 80s when I middled for you. I featured for you in Tucson. And that must have been on like that first tour or so after Star Search, right? Uh, yes. And like, so you were, you know, you had that juice, like Star Search, there was fewer shows like that, fewer TV stations in a lot of ways. So it meant something. You got a lot of momentum. You won it, mm -hmm. right? What right. year? 88. You'd won Star Search. You had short hair. You were, you were an entertainer. You were, you were uh, you know, you were being an entertainer. Right in what sense? Like, uh, like well, I mean, big... you you were to you were you together. You had a, an act. You were moving towards something. Right. You're, you know, you know what I mean. Right. We the Al Lubell closer was fresh at that time. Right. 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 And all I remember hearing is like he used to be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. That that's was that was what it was like. Really, he just left being a lawyer to do this, and he won Star Search. That's mm -hmm. a wild story. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Well, I was. Yeah, I was a lawyer. Yeah. Well, there's. I've known. There's been a couple. I don't know if they were full on lawyers, but you know, Geraldo, I think, went to law school, and then that guy Mike Platt, I think, was actually a practicing lawyer, wasn't mm -hmm. he? I don't know I why I remember so. that guy. Right. Why well, he might be a lawyer again? <laughs> I don't right. know. Um, but where did you come from? Where'd you grow up? Queens, New York. Really? Like yeah. what part? Uh, Flushing, Fresh Meadows. Uh, oh, really? Area. I don't know if you know, like Union Turnpike, St. John's area. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, right around there. You were just a kid in Queens. A kid in Queens, and I was reading that you know Wayne Dyer, Dwyer. Yeah. How do you say that? He yeah. died recently. Yeah, I Dyer. I think Dyer. Yeah, he wrote that book, Your Erroneous Zones. And yeah, stuff. and also, did he write I'm Okay, You're Okay, or No? I don't another think, guy. I don't think that's another him. guy. But he wrote tons of books. Yeah, about he, about you being about uh, mental, uh, spiritual sort of affirm, affirmative health stuff. Right. You don't read that stuff, or no? Right. No, I don't touch it. I read some of that stuff. Like I like Eckhart Tolle. You know him. Someone gave me the library, you know, and, did, and they were right. like, "Just, just listen to it." You know, while you're on the train or whatever. And I listened to about ten minutes. I'm like, "No, nah, I can't. I'm not gonna." Interesting. Yeah. No, I can't. Uh, you know, I'm on my own journey of of self realization. Right. That's uh, it. right. I, I don't want it to get cluttered with because, uh, like, there's always part of me that's like, "Who the hell is this guy?" Right. 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 <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> what? That, get, what gives him? You right. know. Am I going to believe the mythology of this guy? 
Right. And that's very healthy, I think. Because like, well, you see, you have male energy. Mm -hmm. I have female energy. No offense, I'm not attacking all females. But mm -hmm. I'm just saying I was raised by females mostly. My mother and grandmother. Mm -hmm. My father slept a lot. Uh-huh. And so he worked nights. Yeah. So he was sleeping during the day. Yeah. So I have this female kind of energy. I remember a friend of mine traveled. We traveled cross country when I graduated law school. We both left law school and came to California. Yeah. And immediately I had, you know, whenever we needed directions, uh, I wanted to stop at the gas station when we lost. And he wants to figure it out himself. Right. He's driving. Yeah. We could figure that, you know, I could figure it out. No, let's stop and ask. Yeah. Right. You know, I'm the helpless guy. So essentially, Eckhart Tolle, I'm stopping and asking. Uh huh. Eckhart Tolle. I right. look to anybody for the answers. Right. I have this weak, clingy, codependent. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm no one with, if I'm not leeching off someone's energy, I'm nothing. Well, I think maybe that's why uh, I relate to you because I feel that. Like, I. I <laughs> No, I think that, that like, I, I think you, you might be too hard on yourself because... Yeah, I just as I said that, I'm exaggerating. I mean, there are other elements. But no, no, I right, but, like, that, a, yeah. you know, I, I feel like there's that's that's the sort of emotional vibe I pick up on. But for me, like, looking at you, you're a, vel a very well-defined human. Like, I, yeah. yeah, that's because you probably think, like, oh, I'm floating. I have nobody, well, I'm not connected. Mm -hmm. But, like, I see, you know, Alu Bell, uh, you know, as this very defined guy, like, a unique guy. But you're like, you know, probably feel like you're disappearing half the time. Yes, but in the sense, if you see me walking down the street using an SRO now, how defined am I there? Look, we've all had problems. Right, that's true. You, you know what yeah. I mean? I mean, things, you know, go off the rails at different levels for different reasons for all of us over and over again. Right. I mean, you're, you're not unique in, in, in fucking, you know, having the train go off the rails. That's true. But I guess I'm just kind of jealous that you don't need Eckhart Tolle and I do. You don't. You've decided that. <laughs> no, I don't. No, I don't necessarily need. But I just like, I, I like hearing him talk. I, li I like him. It's, he's not pushing. It doesn't, he's not pushing. He's relaxed, and I, I like what he says. I don't, you know, I haven't listened to him in a while. I read some of his stuff. Well, my, my thing has been that, like, I think there's a lot of things that make you feel good in the moment, but actually addressing, you know, core issues around how the brain works or how we're wired emotionally, I read other stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, it's usually clinical. Some, some, some stuff I, I read, I've read books on codependency. I've read books on love and sex addiction. I've read books on you know practical things you mean like John Bradshaw. You ever heard no, of no, I don't read those kind of things. I don't um, read the sort of like broad-based tomes. Right. Like uh, right. I read you know either clinical books or books that have action in them. Mm -hmm. You know, like Pia Melody's book on codependency. Mm -hmm. You know, sort of you know breaking it down uh, on how the emotional dynamics work and where they come from and and what to do to to cognitively behave differently. I say, what do you mean? Act, how does that book have action in it? Well, I mean, there's there's sort of like, you know, there's questions that that are asked of you to, to help you define whether or not you fit this profile. And I then see. there's sort of things you can do to start, you know, uh, uh, cognitively changing your behavior and mental patterns. Exactly. So you're a man of action. Well, uh, I'm a recovery guy. So, like, right. I'm wired like that. Like, you know, right. I... You know, that's that's where I get a lot of the basics is because I, I've done some recovery work and I'm sober and 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 that that method of self-awareness and self-actualization and 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 um, action, you know, kind of they have there's different applications to it, you know, codependency and other right. compulsive behaviors. Well, I'm sure I have codependency and uh, OCD and big narcissism, but there's always been a big part of me that doesn't want to change. That's afraid to change. That's the that's the most horrible part. That's the hardest part, right? Because you don't really have control over that. 
of wanting to or not, right? You well, can't yeah. you can't force yourself to want to. Well, no, it's not. I'm sure you want to, but yeah, you but know, I don't want to do the work, and also I'm afraid of it. Right? Who would I be? Right. Without uh, this, my my bag of shit. And can you imagine? Uh, I don't want to be anyone but Al Bell. So right. That's a big problem. <laughs> well, maybe you could like maybe whatever wherever you stopped emotionally. Right. Uh, you know, you could keep you could start moving from there. You know, it's 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 never too late, Al. You, you no, might be fourteen. I know, right? But you could. Well, Shrink once told me I'm emotionally pre-adolescent, not even adolescent. I was like <laughs> thirty-five at the time, and I th- still feel I'm kind of pre-adolescent. I mean, adolescence kind of the thought of adolescence kind of scares me a little. I mean, it seems kind of adult. But anyway, my point is that uh, no, I I am afraid. But yeah, I could be. You're saying I could grow emotionally, but it would be a different me. The, I, who I am now is who I am now. If I change emotionally, yes, yeah. I'm still me, but it's a different me. I, I, well, you, I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't get hung up on that. You know, you, you know, even people that evolve a little bit, you know, it's not going to be like, who is that guy? You know, it's just going to be little things where you're no, like, look, I'm eating by myself. No, I know, but that's not <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. But I'm not some. I don't care about other people looking at me saying, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, who? I don't want to say. I don't. I myself don't want to say who is yeah. this guy. Well, you won't get that lost. I don't think. No, you're right. I mean, I have grown inadvertently yeah. only through the pain of life and right. having to, and it's not been that bad. I'm different than I was years ago. Oh yeah, and I've gotten over it. Yeah, you know, I'm, there's a sadness. For, I feel sadness for the person I was. Heavy heart. Yeah, that guy's dead. A lot of that guy's pretty much dead. I feel sad for me. Yeah, at that point, yeah. Of me, he's you're dead. grieving that loss of you. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, so all right. So you grow up in Queens. You got what sisters? No. Brothers? No. You're the only one? Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. I've talked to only children before. Have you? Do you think that kind of put a zap on your head somehow? Sure. Like how? Well, you know, just being wild, my mother wildly, it took them like 12 years to have a kid, uh-huh. you know, and my mother was like 31, and my father was 41, and so my mother was wild, everything me, 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 and you right. could sense that my father was a little angry. Mm-hmm. I, unconsciously, I could sense it. Because uh, of your he, relationship with with her relationship with you, yeah, it was, he was so being totally neglected. Yeah. It's the extreme. Usually that happens anyway in a marriage, yeah. but this was such an extreme. Me, 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 mm-hmm. me. And I remember one time he tried to spank me or something, and she almost killed. She was furious. Don't ever touch my son. Don't. Oh yeah. wow, yeah, that kind of thing. So it created this awkward kind of. He used to sarcastically call me the king. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and. Uh, you know, I mean, it was extreme. I, part of me hesitates to tell some stories. They're in my one-person show. I didn't want to say one-man show because that sounds adult. Uh-huh. I, but you can't say one-boy show. I mean, yeah. I'm not. you can't say anything you want. But yeah, one-person show. You can tell stories. Yeah, well, yeah, I could talk. I mean, I'm just saying one of the stories. She used to serve me uh, food in bed until mm-hmm. I was 17 and also turn my TV channel for me until I was 17. And it only ended because I went away to college. But, uh, you know, <laughs> but until seven, I go, channel seven, channel seven. And this has really got to stop, Alan. This has really got to stop. I go, channel nine, channel nine. Just take it to channel nine. Alan, Dr. Schwartzberg says I shouldn't be giving in to you like this, Alan. <laughs> and then it keeps going, channel 11. I keep pushing her, keep pushing. And she go, go fuck yourself. And really? Storm out. Would she? Yeah. And that, the next day, the same thing would happen. So I tell that. You keep so, pushing her. Yeah during this channel changing ritual right. until she, you know, it, like, so there was part of you that wanted to detach. Uh, I guess to f- get her so angry to break away. Yeah. Oh, sure. I'm sure I felt that. I don't, th- consciously, I didn't realize that. But yeah, that's a way of pushing her away. Well, yeah, trying to have a boundary. Right. Yeah, right. There were no boundaries. Right. Yeah. So like, because I, I can relate to that. You know, I do that too. It's just sort of like, uh, wow, I didn't know, maybe that's another similarity we have because of, my my 
mother and father were not overly attentive, but I think the relationship was weird. I felt like I was like, you know, when you said before, using someone else's energy in a way that I think, I think like my mother was sort of like completely, you know, had a, a shaky sense of self and kind of used me as an extension of her. So the boundaries were, you know what I mean? It wasn't about me or letting me have my own life because she was so worried about everything all the time. She just sort of, I just became sort of this emotional appendage that she would process things through. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And uh, I used to fight with her like that. You know, like there was like, there's nothing else you can do. Like you, you're, it's almost like a fight for your own you know, identity. Right, right. So this went on to you were seventeen, but like, what were you doing in school and stuff? Were you do? Were you like a, a, a ostracized? Were you a freak? Were you have? Did you have friends? I had some friends, but I remember there was a cool group, a kid of the cool kids, and I yeah. was not in their group. Uh, uh-huh. I don't think I wasn't a nerd because I didn't study that much. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't really in any group. Yeah, me neither. Really, yeah. And so I wanted to be with the cool kids. Yeah, and I I got myself into it by by having them laugh at me. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I know that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you, you could, you could, because you were so adaptable and without boundaries, you could sort of like, uh, you know, charm or humor yourself into almost any group. Right. But the sad thing was, looking back on it, I would make fun of myself or I would do the stupid thing and have them laugh at, oh, Lubell, oh, yeah, Lubell. Yeah. So it was like I had low self esteem. Even though I was happy, I was accepted. Yeah. I was accepted as the clown and not even the good clown, not even the smart, witty clown. Yeah. The idiot. I was accepted as the idiot into the group. Oh, no. Yeah. So I got low self esteem. I remember one time thinking when I was leaving, like it was springtime vacation or something, that I'm going to come back different. I'm going to be a different person. And and I couldn't, of course I couldn't come back different. I never changed. What was your plan at that time? Do you have any recollection how you were going to be different? Oh, I remember well, one time, not that spring one, but I had a plan one summer when I was 17. I'd get really in shape and I would jog because I was overweight. I was husky. I was mm-hmm. like a little heavy. Me too, yeah. Because I ate too much. I used to eat Hostess snowballs all the time. Sure. I remember those the with pink the pink ones? toppings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was total, my mother would just give me whatever I wanted. I remember one time I'd come home, she used to have, I call them goodies. Mm-hmm. Where are the goodies? Yeah. And she had to have them in the refrigerator waiting for me. And if she, and one time it wasn't in the refrigerator, I, where are the goodies? And I, I forced her to take me to the bakery to get the goodies. How old were you? <laughs> so I went out till 17. So you're, but you're characterizing yourself as this weird little monster child. Oh yeah, I was a total monster. But, but yeah, but the other thing is, I remember you asked me how I decided to change. I remember, so it was the summer of, I went out to, way to a bungalow colony with my mother and grandmother and I was 17. Like a, a, a adult summer camp. Yeah, no, a bungalow. What is a bungalow? Okay, it was next to the hotel. Uh, Kutcher's was a hotel in the Catskills. Up in the Pocono, yeah. The yeah, Catskills. Yeah. And the bungalow colonies where people just rent like a bungalow like, right. uh, for the summer for right. two months. Right, and there's activities. There and... are some activities, yeah. Not but, as... So were you guys very Jewish? I mean, that's a very Jewish thing. I think it's become more Jewish now. I think it's just the Orthodox Jews that go there. No, but there. Be, even back then it was like middle class. You yeah, know, it was middle class Jewish. We were conservative in yeah. the middle. But, but uh, community, you were part of it. The Jewish community. I was bar mitzvah and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. But it wasn't, uh, I wouldn't say very Jewish. I mean, yeah. people looking at us probably thought we were very Jewish. Yeah, I, I feel that now looking at you. Right, right. <laughs> With the hair and the... No, I, but, but no, I grew up a you know, conservative Jew. But like, I, I was in New York. But that's like a pretty specific, you know, going to the hotels at all or up there to the Catskills. Right. Did you see comedy? Uh, yeah, I remember I saw, who did I see? I can't remember the names of the... Nothing's coming to mind, but I know that's why I think I got the idea. I wanted to be a comedian because it was so. It was the only one of the few times uh, there was like seeing people happy. 
Right. Everyone in my family seemed unhappy. Right. Arguing, yelling, and yeah. not even not even that much arguing, yelling. There was not even that enough enough communication on that level. Enough clarity of yelling. There yeah. was just occasional yelling. Yeah. Uh, awkward silence and me yelling. I was yelling, demanding. Yeah. Uh, I remember I once. I hate to admit it here, but uh, this has already started, right? Yeah. Okay, because we never, you never actually said welcome to the podcast. Yeah, I do now, that. I'm, jo- I'm kind of joking, but I mean, yeah, I, I, do, I, I like your later. technique of just yeah, sucking that. the person right in. I do that later. Like, yeah, yeah it's clever. <laughs> so what, what were you about to say? Well, it's kind of embarrassing to say that, but this is your thing. This is, you love this. And I believe if I, I ever had- I love it. Sh- I'm trying to have a nice uh, conversation. Yeah, I'm just in, why? I'm just trying to talk to Al Lupella. I mean, this is the first time we've ever sat and talked. I imagine this is right. probably the first time you've ever sat and talked for, for a while with somebody. No, I have talked for a while. A lot of people, because I've said I'm a kind of a leechy kind of guy, and I just want to try to get people to help me. So okay. I've done that. But I'm a little offended. This is the longest you talk with me. To, you have to have me on a show to have a conversation with me. I don't see you that often. Now. <laughs> when I... When I see you, it's you know, like a happen, like a, a weird, co- uh, some sort of happenstance where you just, right. you wander in from somewhere. <laughs> you know, I don't even know if you have a car or you, you have shoes on. Yeah, but the, I do. And then we talk briefly and what happens, you wander away. Wait, Al, Al. <laughs> we're, we're kindred spirits. I know that like if I don't wander away, I might never wander away. <laughs> and then you'd be living on my couch. <laughs> you once did offer in New York. I was impressed by that. You did say if you ever need a place to stay. Yeah. And I didn't even ask you. Yeah. And I didn't need a place to stay. Yeah. But Oof. I was impressed. <laughs> Dodge a bullet there. <laughs> <laughs> but what's my I feel bad I had a good point to make no you're it, about to say something you, about oh like, uh, yeah oh my god I feel bad I reminded myself yeah, <laughs> yeah it can't be that bad it's not that bad but I wanted fake sideburns yeah because uh, don't oh, we all oh my god <laughs> is, that was the big uh, so you're what you, oh, you're like what 14, 15 no I was 17 and I you, was 18 you, and you thought that you wanted fake sideburns no I was 18 I was a freshman in college you wanted fake sideburns because I want to look older I hit puberty late mm-hmm uh, I started having hair under the arms at like 15 or something, but I nothing in the testicles. Yeah. Uh, and I was afraid to take showers in front of people because they would see I hadn't hit puberty. Yeah. Uh, looking back on it now, I kind of in a way, I never played with myself. How great a moment was when the pubic hair came. You're like, thank God. No, really. I never really wanted it because ideally I wanted to stay a kid. Really? I always wanted to stay. That's another bad thing that set me back. I never wanted to grow up. Even when I was like four, I remember being jealous of a girl that was one. <laughs> No. Yeah. That's a memory you have? Yeah. She's so lucky. Yeah. And but but you want to fix sideburns nonetheless. Yeah, well, cuz I wanted to fit in in college. I wanted to look older. Mm-hmm. So I wanted I research I don't remember how I researched it, but I found out they were $75 for fake sideburns. Yeah, you go to a cosmetic cosmetic kind of they do theater supplies for right. theaters. Yeah. So I needed the money. I had no money. I didn't work, you know. I had no uh so I demanded it from my mother. I want the money for fake sideburns. For fake sideburns. And she didn't want to give me the money. Yeah. And I do remember being outside in a parking lot outside of a restaurant and pushing her against the wall, demanding fake sideburns. For my, really? Yeah. Pushing her. Yeah. I want fake sideburns. Oh. And you're taking me there. Because yeah. it was down the street. This, yeah. The, the, in the Queens? Place. No, this was in Maryland. Uh-huh. We had moved to Maryland. And so uh, I pushed her. Not hard, not incredibly, like wildly. Right. But I pushed. Right. You know, and, yeah. I, want, and I got them. You got the fake sideburns. I got the fake sideburns. And... Uh, but this shows as an example of my fears I'm like a halfway kind of I go halfway I wore them but I had long hair like this yeah because I wanted to cover up my face to so people wouldn't see that I wasn't shaving right so I wore them underneath but I didn't have the guts 
to pull my hair back to show him. Mm-hmm. So I wore them underneath, and what happened was the glue irritated my skin after a couple of days, and I was breaking out into pimples, so I stopped wearing them. Ironically, the pimples made me look a little older. It was the pimples, because I wasn't didn't even have acne. It was a gift. Yeah. It was a gift. What was a gift? The pimples. Like, you know, the sideburns didn't work out, but the pimples came, and you yeah. thought they made it look older. Yeah, but the pimples didn't last for like, you know, it lasted for two, three days. Uh-huh. And I never, you know, I, I, it took me a while to get pimples. Yeah. But real pimples. Right. They were real pimples, but yeah. they were from an artificial source. Yeah. But my point is, I never did wear the sideburns. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And so what's my point? So you, when you called me a monster, it reminded me. Oh, that you were I a monster? I was demanding, you know, I got to have it. Fake sideburns. But to remind me, you asked me, how did I once try to change in Right, exactly, yeah. Right. So I was, I'm going to get in shape because I was overweight. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to play basketball with the cool kids, but yeah. I was never as good because I was overweight and pudgy and... and but I was a decent player later. But anyway, my point is, I used to jog every morning to try to get in shape. And I remember an old guy used to smile at me yeah. as I was jogging by his house. And uh, and I saw him at a party at that bungalow colony one day. And he goes, you jog really good. And I was proud. I said, thanks a lot. He goes, yeah, you jog really good for a girl. <laughs> and I go, well, I'm not a girl. And he goes, yes, you are. He was older. He was like 75. And he started, I felt, he felt threatened like his eyesight's failing. Uh-huh. But I felt I had to defend my gender. Yeah, you know? so sure. I sent, I, he I wasn't said, just taking a shot at you? Like no, a bastard? No, I don't he think He really so. didn't see well. Because I had, but also you I was that pudgy, right. no facial hair. Yeah. And I, you know, I could see, and you know, when you're pudgy and you have a little breasts. Yeah, yeah. I, I could see how you could think I was a girl. Right. So my point is, uh, you know, I came back, I was the same guy. I didn't change over the summer. And, mm. You know, I was afraid of girls. I remember they tried to, I didn't kiss a girl until I was like 20. Mm. And I was scared of girls. And they, when I was 17 at that bungalow colony, like some 15-year-old girl set me up with a 13-year-old girl on a date. And I remember holding her hand. How old were you? 17. Is, yeah. that, un, is that illegal? I was holding no, hands. I mean, it's, no, not to hold hands, no. Yeah, I was just holding hands. I was just yeah. terrified. I was just terrified. Anyway, I never, you know, I remember. I Weird think things happen at camp. Yeah, right, right. I think I was yeah, walking down the street holding I think I was holding I was scared of her. Yeah. I was scared of a thirteen year old girl and I was seventeen. Yeah. Uh so I was just terrified of everything. Fear yeah. has been my biggest problem. And w- your father you, what he uh did he have his own pharmacy in Queens? He did for a while. He owned a pharmacy with his uh uncle. Uh-huh. And then when I was like five or six, they sold it. Yeah. And see, up till five or six my father was present a lot in the house. I mean he worked he worked till like 12 at night there, yeah. but he had self-esteem. He owned a pharmacy. Yeah. But then he started working uh, in a night shift in Manhattan, and uh, he was home at like two or three, and he wasn't the same guy anymore. I was a kid, so I didn't know what was going on. He had on. lost his own pharmacy? He had sold it. They, uh-huh. they both sold it. Uh-huh. But he didn't own one anymore, and I think that depressed him, and he was always trying to buy another one, yeah. but he never did. Yeah. And uh, so that changed with my father. I, did, I saw him less, and I think he was less of a, he was depressed because he didn't own one anymore. Mm-hmm. He worked for somebody. He worked, is he gone now? Yeah, he died years ago. Mm-hmm. But your mom's still around. Uh, my mom is. Yeah, assisted living. She cognizant? Yeah, she's got Alzheimer's, but it's. Uh, oh, I hope she's not listening. <laughs> she doesn't think she does. Yeah, you know, people with Alzheimer's don't think they have. Uh huh. Alzheimer's. Which, That's sad. I'm yeah. sorry you're going through that. You go down there. Uh, yeah, I do. But she knows who I am still. She's got the kind where she knows who. Oh, you that's are. good. Yeah. Does she yell at you? Do you yell at each other? Not that much. You know, I'm, I'm okay when I'm around her. She's annoying, but I'm, you know, put your jacket on. Put it on, Alan, your jacket, your jacket. She'll say it like six times. Your jacket, Alan, your jacket. But she do that all the time, or is this a new thing? You know, she's always done that. <laughs> so yeah. it's not even an Alzheimer's thing. No, no, no. <laughs> right, yeah, it's not even. She sounds terrifying to me. 
Yeah, it is, but not really. I mean, she's very, if you met her, you'd really like her. I mean, yeah. she's likable. But, uh, and actually, when I'm around her, I'm okay. It's, I don't like talking to her on the phone. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. How to, yeah, so she's, so, uh, so you're up there at the colony, at the bungalow, bungalow colony, com- and you yeah. see a little comedy, and it, it resonates with you. Uh, I see a little comedy. Uh, yes, it did resonate. With you me. can't remember the guy. You probably oh, know the, the old guy. Time ago. There was, yeah, I remember like, Back, I, I saw the guy like six years later when I was in law school. He was playing some club locally. Schaefer, something, Eddie Schaefer or something like that. He was like a Catskills comic. Uh-huh. I don't know if I saw any, fam- I don't think I saw any famous comics. The only, I remember Tony Bennett uh-huh. was there at Kutcher's. See, Kutcher's was not like the Concord right. or Grossinger's, the right. big ones. Yeah. Kutcher's was a little below. Yeah. So it didn't get the big. Right. Jerry Lewis had his own hotel called Browns. Uh-huh. So I never saw those famous guys. But I remember from, you know, Ed Sullivan, you know, I, I liked, uh, I remember Larry, uh, what's his, Alan King was probably the first comedian sure. I ever remember. Yeah, from the island too. Yeah, from Long Island. Yeah. Right. They're gonna, yeah. And so uh, that was an influence. Kind of Survived thing. by his wife. Right. What a great bit. He did yeah. that on Letterman. Uh huh. Sure. He did it forever. Really? He did it right till the end. Right. Sure. He'd throw that in. I wonder uh, if, his, if his wife did survive him. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think he had a couple. Maybe I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. But uh, so what, how do you decide to go to law school? Was it, is that something your mother compelled you to do? By the way, just going quickly, when you look at the board, are you looking at time? I'm just making sure the levels are good because oh, I got to okay. like, you know, like sometimes okay. I got to adjust the levels. Okay. So I, what was law school? What was the question? Well, how, how'd you decide to go to law school? I mean, you, you sound like a guy that couldn't do anything. Right. Well, I could, I got good grades in school. I was probably 90 plus average. Oh, good. I, uh, yeah. I was, I wasn't much of a studier as a last minute kind of person. But you're a bright guy. I guess I was bright. I didn't ever think of myself as bright. Where'd you go to undergrad? uh, First year, University of Maryland, Uh because my father was sick and I didn't know it. They lied to me. So my mother wanted us to be close to my aunt, my mother's sister, that family. And that's why you moved to Maryland? Yeah, for the freshman year. Yeah. And then uh, I I wanted to get away from the family. So I decided, uh, I I decided I wanted to go to the University of Miami, Florida. Oh, that's a party school. Uh, yeah, I was, and I wasn't ready to party because I hadn't hit puberty yet, and I was. You hadn't hit puberty at when? Uh, well, I don't know what you mean. I mean, I hadn't played with myself until uh, I didn't start playing myself till I was like twenty. What? I didn't know about it. I didn't even know what it was. What? Do, what? Was it? Did you grow up at the Bates Hotel? Right. <laughs> yeah, I think so. The way I do my mother and my act, people say it reminds the Alan, my life, Alan. That's how I do her. You're my life. I live for you, Alan. <laughs> Someone, a reviewer. <laughs> Described it as the Bates. Like, I didn't even know I was doing oh, that. Oh, <laughs> so you didn't jerk off till you were 20? Till I was 20. And oh, that's a whole... I'm so sorry. Well, it's even worse than that. Uh, a guy who turned out to be gay convinced me to let him uh, touch. By the way, this story is in my act. So I feel like I'm doing my act. I feel like weird. I'm, I feel like, am, should I feel like I'm raping my act? No, no. I, I think that, that in, in the best case scenario, there'll be a few people out there be like, I got to see this show. All right, that's true. Yeah. Okay. But not if I do it word for word. But well, no, you're right. You're, but you're not really story. quite doing it word for word. Okay. Well, to make a long story short, I was such uh, an idiot. Yeah. Like I told my shrink the story. He, this yeah. guy convinced me to let him put his mouth on my penis. Yeah. And I thought I was gay. Years later, I was hard, thought maybe I'm gay. I let this guy do that because he yeah. convinced me. He said, Al, if you're going to play with yourself, he was my best friend. He was three or four years older than me. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, look, if you're going to, you've never played with yourself before, you really should start doing this. And I got to want to. And he says, Al, if you play with yourself, you'll stimulate the, uh, uh, what's it called, the hormones, and mm-hmm. you'll start shaving. Mm-hmm. I go, I don't want it. He goes, 
just pull your pants down, start playing with yourself. Yeah. And I did it. I started, I couldn't do it because I'd never done it before yeah. and I was scared. So he said, I'll put my hand on it. Yeah. And I was not in it. I said, what are you, gay? Yeah. And he goes, no. So I go, okay. Uh-huh. And uh, to me, I guess words speak louder than action. Yeah. Anyway, my point is so, and uh, <laughs> so uh, he puts his hand on, make a long story short, I, I won't do the bit word for word. You want me to do the bit? The bit is essentially, I'll do the bit. I don't care at this point. Uh, okay. So he puts his hand on it and still nothing happened. Yeah. I wasn't, he goes, look, I don't want to do this. Uh, I, you think I, I don't want to do it, but you obviously need stimulation. Yeah. I'll, what I do is I'll put my mouth on it. Uh-huh. And I go, look, I'm not a moron. Just admit to me yeah. you're gay. If you admit you're gay, I'm not going to let you touch me, but don't lie yeah. to me. Just admit yeah. you're gay. Yeah. He goes, I'm not gay. So I go, okay. <laughs> How was that? And so he put his mouth on it. Yeah. And I'm looking at this thinking, you know, he's either gay or a really nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> were you guys friends after that and uh yeah little it's a whole long story i mean yeah i was his roommate i became his roommate uh-huh. at his house and uh yeah it was like i never you know it, it's a whole long story did that happen again it did like two other times mm-hmm. he convinced me he thought it's a whole long story he he convinced me he took me to jamaica with him uh on a and he, we were playing in the pool and I dunked him and he said I gave him a heart attack when I dunked him because mm-hmm. I dunked him too long. Mm-hmm. Because I gave him a heart attack, he said, uh, you have to, uh, you're going to have, uh, I, let me uh, put my mouth on it. At that point, can I not realize he's gay? Like, I still didn't think he was gay, but I, I felt guilty. I gave him a heart attack and my focus was almost killed him uh-huh. instead of this guy's gay and, you know, he's, he's manipulating you. Who needs to put their mouth on a penis because you've had a heart attack? Is this some kind of resuscitation I've never heard of? You know, I mean, it didn't even occur to me. That's how mentally damaged I feel I was from childhood. So gullible that the whole world was going to give in to me, do anything for me like my mother would do. Yeah. You know, like everyone's looking out for me. Yeah. Even straight guys will suck my dick. Yeah. You know, because it's all about Al Bell. Yeah, my gift. Whatever Al needs. My gift. (laughs) The world. Oh, boy. Yeah. So what was your point? Oh, so I never masturbated. So anyway, that's I began masturbating. Uh, I remember the first time I came, it was a huge amount. Yeah. Uh, was it, it must have been exciting. Not really, because, uh, well, how how intricate am I going to get in this story? I mean, when I came, he was there. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not, uh, that was the first time, the yeah. thing, you know. And like, he had taken his... I, do I get into incredible deal? I don't do this in the show. He had already taken his mouth off. He just started, and I didn't. I didn't like it. Yeah, and I didn't want him to do it. And yeah. he stopped. Yeah. Then on my own, I masturbated yeah, yeah. and I came. But did I he clap kept, or anything? He didn't clap. But the point is, the fact that he's in the room, I think it ruins that feeling. Again, I, it's a talk about boundary. Yeah. Problem. No. Yeah. You definitely had. Yeah. It was definitely. You, you were definitely in, in a little bit of. Uh, Emotional trouble and confusion, and this guy seemingly took advantage of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it seems like that. You know, whatever insulation and and uh, emotional um, uh, sort of uh, inappropriateness you had with your mother didn't prepare you for the world at all. Exactly. So, so you, I don't know how long that relationship lasted, or if you still talk to that guy. No, I haven't in years, and uh, it lasted. I got my first girlfriend in. Co- I had one president of student government in college. Oh, really? So you, you, you know, despite yourself, it sounds like you had some a, a way with people that you could, you know, at least get out in front of people and, right. and talk to people, and right. and I, I imagine that you know when you were able to connect and be funny, that it, it made you feel uh, empowered in a way. Yeah, I was a good speaker. I mm-hmm. guess I gave good speeches, and uh, yeah, I won the president of student government. I remember feeling pressure, like I'm now president, and I've never even. I Which did kiss a girl once. So how'd you meet the girl? 
It was, uh, I was running for president. Oh, my vice president, the treasurer, the guy I was running, my treasurer, on yeah. the, he knew the girl. He was a ladies' man. Mm -hmm. So he introduced me to her. And that was the first girl you kissed? No, I had kissed a girl previously, uh, one time when I was 20. I was This was late 20 when I met her. Mm -hmm. uh, but or mid-20, I kissed a girl previously. How'd that go? Uh, it was brief and it was okay, uh, but nothing, nothing there. And uh, I do remember... Uh, and I did kiss another girl, mm -hmm. and I do remember actually, I didn't have sex with her, but I do remember uh, kissing her down below. Are you mm -hmm. allowed to talk about these things on you this You talk show? about whatever you want. I don't know what I want. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I'm being abused here in a way. Really? Because I have no sense of self. I don't know, no offense against you. I mean, anyone talking to me is abusing me. It's interesting. <laughs> but That's an interesting idea, Al, but you know, you... <laughs> You're not going to get away with that shit with me. <laughs> however, <laughs> however much you don't know who you are, you do. I don't think, no. I you don't, do know who you are. No, you don't. And you must admit there's uncertainty to everything. No one knows anything I know, but wait, sure. after a certain point now, well, you got to pick it apart all the time. <laughs> <laughs> the question is, when is that point? Well, no, but you- At a certain, when is that certain point? What, when, you, you, when you're exhausted and your life becomes uh, difficult because <laughs> you uh, destabilize yourself constantly. Right, this is true. That, you know, with self-doubt and, and insecurity, you know, the more you shovel coal into that fire- it's just going to keep burning down, you know? Yeah, and it is. Yeah. And it's almost done. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Well, you know what that means. Yeah. This is a cry for help. I know. <laughs> your entire career has been a cry for I know. I wouldn't even call it a career, necessarily. It's a well, quasi, well, let's, quasi Well, let's career. get into that. now. Well, that let's, well, let me finish this. What's the point with, with the, the girl? girl? I, okay, well, the question fine. of... Uh, I don't know if I should say... Well, I went down on her. It was the first, yeah, the first yeah. time I ever did it. And it's not even a good story. It's not even interesting. But the point is, she confided in me later it was her urinary tract and not her clitoris mm -hmm. that I was licking. Mm -hmm. And Because I, I don't know what I'm doing. Sure. Well, you got to learn. It's a hard, right, it's exactly. a hard learning curve, yes, that yeah, one. It takes years. Right. And I haven't spent the time at it. It's okay. I, ha I haven't done it much. And uh, yeah, did you have a relationship with a woman in college? Uh, yeah, that girl at college. Uh, yeah, there was a girl. I'm afraid to mention names. You don't have to mention names. Okay. So you had sex with her and stuff, and it went yeah. okay. Yeah, so funny the way you're talking to me now yeah. is you realize you're dealing with a mental patient. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, I knew that. I knew that going in. Yeah, you knew it going in, but it's a little more intense than you thought. A little more. It's exciting. It's exciting. <laughs> like, like I, I feel like I'm being like you know like I'm not a I'm not a professional, and you know usually I can sort of move people through their narrative, but there's definitely a, a point during this one where I'm like. I, I don't have the chops. <laughs> this guy thinks any one-on-one -on -one situation is some sort of therapy. And, uh, I, I don't know if I can guide him with my own experience. Right, right. Yeah, well, you've been the codependent route. You, you've read all the oh, damn yeah, books. Yeah, you, you're, you've read these it. action books, Mark. Yeah. Well, Here's no, some I, action for I you, I relate Mark. to you. I relate to okay. you. Like, you know, and I know, it, you know, like it's an extreme, but I know that discomfort. I know the, the feeling of not having a defined self, of not feeling uh, like, like you're whole without having somebody else acknowledge you or, or, or want you or, or uh, want to engage with you. You know, I know yeah. what it's like to be, you know, painfully possessive out of emotional needs that uh, I don't understand. Right. I mean, I've been through a lot of that stuff. Right, what I, what I envy you uh, is that we're, I don't know, I guess envy is the nice word for jealousy. Uh -huh. But uh, 
that you have male, more male energy than me. And so you're able to do things and take action. I, I don't even have that part. Well, that all comes from anger. Most of my male energy is uh, anger-based. Right, and Stephen Wright's great, got a great line I think I read, is something like, depression is anger without enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And so you got anger, I got depression. Right. And so that's why I have a hard time getting things done. Yeah, Depression, well, I beat myself up, I'm exhausted. Yeah, I do a little of that. Do, you do a little of that, but you also have anger. I want your anger. Well, you I'm just angry have, that I don't have you. Well, you have to just you know start turning it out onto other people. I know, I, but, I'm, but that's not a good therapy point. It's like here's how you can help yourself: <laughs> stop beating yourself up and put it on other people. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, but she's too afraid to do that. I'm a timid. See, I was the. We well, did that with your mother. Ah, I'm comfortable with that, mm -hmm. and I was then. That I was only comfortable beating her up. Because I was, the umbilical cord was never cut. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was connected and uh, she was my slave mm -hmm. and I was her slave. It was the master, you know, I was also a slave. She created, she forced me into masterhood. Yeah. Forced me to be her master. Yeah. And so I'm only, I was only comfortable, you, you know, I was power, I was king at home, mm -hmm. The you know, whatever I wanted. But in the real world, I was this timid, shy, frightened, furious, angry person that I was such a wimp. Yeah. All that's going inside. Yeah. yeah. So- you you get to where'd you go to law school? Well, University of Miami, and you graduated. Yeah, with with a law degree. Yeah, and you went into practice. I was a lawyer, and uh, I came out to California to try comedy, but I figured I'd do law too. You so never I, done comedy before, and you came I know, out. I, I dabbled in it in law school. I won this best comedian contest in the whole university. Uh -huh. Like there was some kind of kind that flew me out to California here. Uh, and I performed at the, I was supposed to perform at the Comedy Magic Club. Yeah, uh, as in the Hermosa prize. Beach. Yeah. And, uh, but I played basketball. I, I, I hosted a gong show when I was out there in Miami yeah. and I carried the gong to the gong show yeah. and the gong pulled my back out. And when I played basketball here, when I got to California, I, I had a spasm and I couldn't perform. I didn't get to perform at the Comedy Magic Club. My point is I dabbled in comedy a little in, uh, while I was in law school. And so I came out here and I was too afraid again to move to LA. So me and my friend moved to Newport Beach an hour south. Yeah. And so I started being a lawyer there and I started getting some spots at the- You just got a job at a firm? Yeah, in Newport Beach. What kind of law were you doing? It was a small firm uh, and uh, I mostly did uh, drunk driving cases. Uh, it was mostly drunk driving mm -hmm. cases. I didn't feel good about it because, you know, I, I can I say this after the fact? Yeah. You get the feeling everyone did it. Yeah. You know, I'm not, is that illegal that no. I can say that? It's no. after the fact it's I over. I think you're fine. Okay. <laughs> you're not a lawyer anymore. <laughs> right. But uh, it didn't feel fun for me, you know, and- uh, so I at night I would do comedy where at the Laugh Stop. Mm -hmm. There was a club called the La in Newport Beach. Uh huh. Back then in the eighties, mm -hmm. and uh, so yeah. And you were getting your chops, doing yeah, jokes, getting, getting laughs, going over. Yeah, I might bomb a lot too. Just horrible. I remember one of the, a bomb that comes to mind was uh, I thought this was funny for some reason. I walk on. I don't walk on stage. I crawl onto the stage, and I'm crawling, crawling to the microphone, and I slowly get up to the microphone. And I go, "Hi, I'm a struggling young comedian." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got nothing. <laughs> Too conceptual. I guess, right. Yeah. That's, and that scared me. Yeah. I got nothing. So then I start rushing into my jokes. And because back then, you know, when I got scared, I'd rush, you know. And and so, of course, even my jokes that I had back then didn't work because I'm rushing. And also this awkward moment that I didn't even acknowledge. Yeah. I don't even acknowledge, boy, that didn't work. Nothing because I got scared. I have the guts to take that chance. That takes a guts to, I hadn't been doing comedy long either, six months takes guts to crawl for like a minute yeah but eventually it seems like you learned how to pace yourself exactly yeah. how you want to i mean that's yeah. just part of starting out the panic right sure so what so then what, what leads to you pursuing it as a career uh what leads to me pursuing it as a career well some com i wanted to be a comedian and comedians that i would MC for at the laugh stop 
some of them like me. So you took some gigs going out with comedians. Yeah, not with them, but they would recommend me to the club. For feature act? Yeah, featuring, yeah. and I'd run around middling, and they didn't pay for travel, but if you got connected a few of these things in Texas, yeah. where you middled, right. you can make something. And, and you were doing all right? Yeah, I was doing okay. One of the first, it was kind of cool, I middled for uh, Seinfeld. I couldn't believe, like, normally I don't take action and do things, but someone said, call this club, that they might give you a date. I ended up calling him, and, he, and the guy goes, yeah, I have a, a week opened, uh, yeah, and you uh, open for Jerry Seinfeld. I go, wow, this is... Uh, so I middled for him, and I got to know him a little. And this was like the summer of '85, mm -hmm. and uh, played racquetball and with Jerry, yeah, out there on the road, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was interesting. Nice uh, guy, very nice guy. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. He liked you. He liked me, I think, and he was. Uh, he let me ask him all his questions. I remember one time my questions. I remember what said to me, "Any more questions, Al?" He, yeah, he liked answering questions. <laughs> yeah, and I had a lot of questions. Yeah. yeah, and then he had to say, "Like Al, it's two in the morning. Can <laughs> you can you get out of my room, Al?" He never did say that. He might have felt it. I remember being in his room, and he might have felt it. I remember we were watching Ronnie Shakes. Remember yeah, Ronnie? Yeah. On The Tonight Show. He's funny. Yeah, very funny. He had great, I remember one of his jokes was, I, I bought a watch, very cheap watch. It just says now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was funny. He passed away. Yeah, I know. Well, that's interesting. So then, yeah, yeah, so you're, you're working as a comic, and you're no longer doing law. Uh, working as a comic and no, right. I, I dabbled in law still a little, but then I realized I was taking a, a case with me on the road. I'm in the funny bone working on a law case. Right. I didn't feel right. It was too much. I couldn't focus. I could barely focus on one thing. Right. Not two things. So I quit the law. So that was like 86. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then I started, uh, and then I got good in that one. I was on the road for like 50, 48 weeks in yeah. one year, uh, constantly everywhere. And, uh, my friend started out with comedy with me, Dan, and he quit. But he saw me a year later. He couldn't believe in New York I was doing a spot, and he couldn't believe how what an, I had an act. Yeah, after a whole year on the road. Yeah, I think what year was that? That was like when he saw me in '87. Right, right. And I suddenly had an act. Right. So like I was the you know I was just kind of starting out then. So we probably did the evening at the Improvs around the same time. Well, the evening I think I started doing evening at the Improv maybe after I won Star. Like '89, '88. Like there was a big push. Where it just was on all the time. They were right. constantly taping and there were all those shows. Like yes. Caroline's Comedy Hour, Evening at the Improv, yes. Comedy on the Road, yes. MTV Half Hour, yes. all those. We were right. all doing those and you were all in that. But so when did you, so you did Star Search what year? I did Star Search I won, in the fall of 87. So I was called the winner of 88. Mm -hmm. And that's a big deal then. It wasn't so much. I mean, it was kind of, but not that much. It was the fifth year of it. And you the, made some money, though. I remember the first year was the big deal. Brad yeah. Garrett won it that yeah. first year, right? right. And that's the, you know, so, yeah, it was $100,000. I ended up blowing it. I bought a house I shouldn't have bought. I didn't trust my instincts. I, I could have bought a house. I, I had made the offer. It was accepted. And then someone told me, you're not the homeowner type, which is true. But I backed out of it. And now it's worth millions in the Hollywood Hills. Mm -hmm. And then I bought this house in the Valley with the money, like an idiot. And that went down in value. And, and I lost it all anyway. So. And, but you were touring as a headliner. Yes, but I wasn't really ready to be a headliner. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, I, on good nights I was, and on bad nights I wasn't. And uh, I didn't have, I had the material, but it, things had to go well. I had to, you know, they had to get me. Yeah. I remember one time this club owner, and it really is, to this day it's kind of true. I'm better at what I'm doing, but I, I can split a crowd, you know. Yeah, oh, no, can, yeah. well, you're, you're a, a unique thing. Uh, thank you. But it's hurt me on the, on the road because, you know, as you know, uh, if you're not well known, they really want the guy just to do the job and right. have a lot of dick jokes and, right. and do the job and make everyone love you. And if not every, and so I get in trouble if everyone didn't love me. And so 
tons of clubs didn't want me back, you know, because every there was always a few people that just hated me. Right. You know, so uh, that's been a problem. And but is that what sort of started to chip away? Uh, my, yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The lack of work, mm. and then at the cellar. The comedy cellar yeah. in New York, I started doing well. And yeah, I remember, spots. yeah. Yeah, but then I started losing that because I started like trying things out. You know, you have to try. Yeah. And also I was being pretty clean. I, I wanted, I was challenged by being, not saying fuck, never yeah. saying fuck and trying to be really having smart jokes and and I would get in trouble with a later night crowd that had heard a lot of sexual stuff and then I'm going Sure, up, I didn't know that one. Yeah, yeah. were you like, how am I going to follow that? Yeah, going up, how am I going to make them think? And, and then Esty was like, you did not do well. Right, yeah. Exactly. So I lose spots there. It was totally depressing. It went from being one of the guys that got every spot to, to nothing. But you did Letterman and stuff. That came years later. Yeah. I mean, I did the Tonight Show with Carson. I was one, I got on right before he quit. That mm -hmm. was really good. And uh, then I did a few with Leno. I yeah. Did like with six with Jay Leno. Yeah. Up until like '96. Uh, uh huh. And then uh, I tried to get on Letterman. I finally got on Letterman in 2001. Yeah. And, you and did, I did five of them. Yeah, you. Do, I mean, so yeah. you did a, like a lot of big, important stand up. Did you ever see me on Letterman, by the way? Yeah. Okay, because I was curious. One time you said to me, I saw you on, uh, I didn't think maybe you liked it. No, I always like you. No, because one time you said, <laughs> can I say this? Sure. Or? No, I, well, no, you're going to kick me off the show? No. Okay. <laughs> I, I've, look, I've been an asshole before. I, I, what, did, I, how, what did you? How did you interpret what I said? Okay, because also I interpret everything negative. I know. So it might be me. It what might did, be what you, did I say? And it might be both. And of I'll us. tell you exactly what I okay. meant. You said to me, "Oh, I think this is what you said." I had just done Letterman, yeah. and I had done really was the first time I ever did it. And I had done. I found out years later. Yeah. I found out Letterman said to someone that it was yeah. one of the best he had seen. You know, right. So anyway, that's not, I'm not saying that means it was the best, but you said I saw you on Letterman. I go, "What'd you think of it?" I, I said. I thought it was pretty good. He goes, you went, really? <laughs> was I joking? No. Oh, I, don't I think I was joking. Maybe, maybe not, but I didn't take it. I took it like, I took it, now this could be my negativity, but I took it like, I did, you're I, a guy giving shit to, you're a guy that doesn't want me to be confident and is uh, looking for an opportunity to, maybe like, this could be my narcissism, but it could be maybe you're a guy intimidated with how well I did and wanted to put me down a little. That's probably right. <laughs> I was probably jealous. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, you, you know, you were doing great. I mean, why I wouldn't I be? Right. What do you mean you were on fucking Letterman? I couldn't get on Letterman at that time. Ah, see, there you go. You know what I mean? Like I, you know, I didn't do the Tonight Show with Carson. You were a big act to me, right. and and I loved what you did. So yeah, I was probably a little jealous, and I probably was being a little bit of a bully. And I'm sorry. Okay, no problem. <laughs> so I was right in my intuition. I, yeah, but it I, wasn't. But it had nothing to do with you. I was just being a dick. No, okay. That, no, you I know, know. Like you fact, did a good job. You were great. Do you remember? Sure. You but thought I, it was great. Yeah, I always which think is you're a great. good job or great? You said you did a good job. You were great. No, I Those thought are you two killed. Different I was things. always happy. Like I had a lot of friends that yeah. did Letterman. I was the guy going like, "Why the fuck can't I do Letterman?" Right. So you coming up to me and declaring that you did a good job? No, wait a minute. I didn't know. You said I saw you on Letterman. I said, and I you said, you "How did you think? How did you think you did?" I said, "You asked me. I didn't." Declare. Oh, I don't know. That doesn't sound like I would do that. No, I think you said, how did uh, it go? Doesn't was, it sound like you could say, how did it go? Every comic says, how did it go? Well, yeah, so I was just being a dick, and that's yeah. not unusual. Okay. And I'm sorry for that. That's not, I think I've made up for that. You have. And okay. also, you're also not being a dick by kicking me out right now. But of course, yeah, I've I heard- I kick you out. No, I, I apologize. Yeah, you had, no, that's nice of you. So what, what ultimately happens then after this wave of success and doing all these things to get you to, like, uh, SRO? <laughs> the- uh, 
well. I mean, okay. it doesn't sound like you had a drug problem or anything else. It just sounds like you had no choice but to be exactly who you were. And you don't give yourself enough credit for that. You're a very defined act and you're a very defined person. Even in, And a lot of it comes from your insecurities and whatever weird you know, emotional wiring you have. But, but you, like, not unlike me, you can't do it any other way. Right. And, and that, that's sort of the curse of an artist on some level. Uh, and it, and you know and it can go either way and there had been times like before I started this podcast where I was the same way I couldn't get work at clubs I was definitely not for everybody and I wasn't even as uh, articulate uh, as an act as you are you know I I was not that together I mean you were a very together act I mean you were very deliberate you you had an, you had uh, jokes you knew where you were going like I didn't even I was chaotic. And uh, but I, I had the same fate that you had in that, like, you know, I was definitely not for everybody. I made a lot of people uncomfortable for different reasons. And, you know, by the time I started this thing, I was pretty desperate. Mm-hmm. So is that ultimately what happened? Well, you know, it's kind of funny is that but I'm jealous of you again. I, you know, that's great. You have male energy. You have action. I had an idea of when I was living in the SRO yeah. of wanting to do a talk show from my bed in this little SRO and having people come up. But again, it's hard for me to get guests. Like no one is going, who's going to be my guest? Well, I only have action out of desperation. I mean, I, I, I think you're overestimating my male energy. I mean, like, you know, the what I did with my charisma or what I did with my talent, you know, was push myself out there in a, in a sort of over the top way. You know, I was a very angry act. I was a very sort of like provocative act, but that's not really who I am. I'm, I'm a hypersensitive, insecure guy, just like you. I just like, and obviously you figured out a way to get in front of people and 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 make people reckon with you. I just did it differently, but I don't think we're that different. Mm-hmm. I think you're overestimating my masculinity. Wow. I mean, I do whole bits about, like I call myself an alpha doormat. Mm-hmm. Right, right. <laughs> you, you know, like I, 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 don't, I don't think I'm like an, uh, some alpha dude. I think we have more in common than you think. It's just my act is my act, both mm-hmm. in life and on the stage at different points where I was a lot more aggressive. Mm-hmm. But I, mean, I think- was out of desperation? Sure, couldn't I just wanted to, your, to connect. Couldn't you have gone to your, oh, but not money-wise. You could have gone to your parents for money. Not really. After a certain point, they blew it. They blew, oh, they blew the money? They had no money? Not really, no. I mean, yeah, you know, when I got divorced, like I had to ask my mother for money. My dad hasn't had any money for a long time, but certainly when I was younger, they had money. But that, you know, I haven't really asked them for money except- you know, once when I was in the middle of a divorce, I had to ask my mom to, you know, get me over the hump. Right. And, uh, you know, and she helped out. But I, I really somehow or another have, you know, found a way to make a living doing this. But see, that's, that's I am jealous of that. Because yeah. you have the dignity to not, to just ask when you desperately need it. I would always ask my mother for money. Yeah. <laughs> and she would give it to me. She wasn't wealthy, but yeah. she would give me. And now she has no money. Yeah. Now I'm desperate. Yeah. When and but it's hard to be de- hard to be desperate when you are older and you can hardly move. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So what are you doing? I don't know. But what was your earlier question? You had a qu- how did that end up in the well, SRO? I mean, it seems fairly self-explanatory. The work dried up. Oh yeah, right. The work dried up. But you know, get back to your earlier question. Yeah. You said how did you make it to the SRO? Yeah. I don't like to leave any question unattended because these questions are about me. Okay. And I feel I'm being neglected when you leap over a question. No. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no but uh no what's my point my point is how did i get to that sro i don't know do i need to answer that really i mean like i don't even know how to, that was 2002 2001 uh, again no work i just transfer i'd go from la no work to new york get a little work no work go back to la a little work no work i keep moving around to no work no work yeah just nothing i couldn't headline clubs uh, i tried cruise ships that don't work because they want you clean yeah, yeah. i'm clean but they never say clean and not dark. 
Right. I'm clean and dark. Yeah. You know, forget talking about my hatred of my mother. It's clean. Yeah. You can't do that. I mean, I remember I have a joke out of nowhere. I go, I guess what I'm really trying to say here tonight is that I hate my mother. Yeah. I don't know. And it gets left because it's out of nowhere. After the, I got a decent laugh, but after an older guy comes up to me at the cruise shop, you know, the, our women here hated that joke that you hate your mother. We don't like that, that you hate your mother. Yeah. And so I wouldn't get back if just a few people complain on the cruise ships. Forget that. So that's out. Yeah. So no money. Uh, and also, I guess I must say in my defense, I didn't go to my mother for money. So that's why I wasn't an SRO. I wanted to suffer because I have this masochism and self-dislike a lot. I and wanted, also you wanted to maybe you know, act grown up. Yeah, try to be grown up and live in an SRO. And it was literally, I have a joke in my act about it, but literally five feet by 10 feet. Yeah. Literally five by 10. I found out later rooms legally cannot be below eight by 10. Ugh. It wasn't even a legal room. And jail cells are eight by 10. It wasn't yeah. even. A, and so I was living in this five by 10 for like six months. And uh, how did I get into it? Yeah, no work. And I wanted to get writing work. I, I never wanted to write for others because the narcissism. Yeah. I don't like to give up my and thoughts. I'm the same way, dude. Yeah. I mean, I like I'm, we're, we're very similar. Mm-hmm. And I've always you know, liked you a lot, and I knew that there were times where you were in trouble, and then you started doing the one-man show, which I believe I saw. I don't think you did. I don't know. I think I did somewhere. Really? Maybe in was New it? York. Where'd you do it in New York? Yeah, I did in New York. Did you come? Sometimes people came, and I didn't know they were I there. I feel like I came. Well, I started doing it in 2009. What's it called? But it was Al Alone yeah. back then. Uh, yeah. Al Alone. But, uh, well, thanks if you came. I started doing that. And then I did uh, get on this uh, I, Edinburgh. I did that a few yeah, times. Right. And it, yeah, right. So that, so I, I got some work in England. I did get some work, you know. And uh, You I spent a lot in, of time over there? Yeah, I, I hung out. Yeah, but I was running out of work there. And so I came back here and I'm getting no work here, virtually nothing. And uh, I'm something, I hate saying that because I've got a few gigs coming up. And what if these gigs hear this and figure, oh, this guy's not getting work? We'll cancel his gigs. No, we'll hold on to it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we can take anything you want out. But do you feel like you're you're bouncing back a little bit? Uh, yes, because I, I must say, I think a little because why, uh, because, well, some guy's helping me with, uh, wants to sell my one man show, wants to try to put it on, he's taping and wants to sell it. Like, oh, great. So, so that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so I feel in that sense, I'm bouncing back and I must say, I think, you know, I must admit, I don't like to admit I've grown up a little, but I think I've grown a little. So I'm a little more of a person, even though, uh, where I'm at is pretty dangerously bad. I'm more of a person. And I think I'd rather be more of a person this way than rather a less of a person with money. Yeah. but And also I think, look, dude, it, it takes time sometimes. It takes what it takes. And you had a difficult go at it, you know, emotionally all the way through. But it seems like your self-awareness is a little a little more expansive in, oh. in, a, in, a, in a more in a proactive way mm-hmm. than just sort of like, you know, it's hard, like when you hit the skids and you hit bottom, you got no choice but to look at your fucking self. In a way, like I can't go to my mother for me. She has no money, so I actually can't. I've never been in the situation where I couldn't. Yeah. So th- that's waking me up. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I'm happy to see you, and I'm glad we talked. Oh, okay, thank you. You good? Yeah. Well, I don't know. That's a stretch. Are good. we good? Are how we you, good? How do you define? Yeah, we good. Yeah. We good? We're, we're good, yeah. All right, Al. Thank you. Right now, I would like to sing you a song about myself. How you doing? My name's Al Lubell And I'd like to sing you this little song about myself I have arms I have legs I have hair When I go to bed at night 
That was it. That was Al Lubell. That was um, the Al Lubell song, I think it's called. Um, 700 frequency beta sector of the 4G on the roof of my building, my, the roof of my office building. Be damned! I will, I will win through shielding. My hope is in copper now. My hope is in copper. Boomer lives! Boomer lives!